Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're in a series called Better Together, and it's a generation series, uh, it's a generation of folks that we're talking about today, because we recognize one of my core beliefs, one of the things that's always resonated with me is that the body of Christ is called to worship together. And by together, I mean every generation from, you know, from the, the newborn baby that we dedicated last week, we're dedicating another baby next week, to our senior saints and to everyone in between, because we need everybody, but if we're not careful, it would be very easy for us to just separate and just be with our own peers. I mean, how many of you enjoy being with your peers, right? It's, yeah, and it's, that's important. That's a good thing. Like, we have, we have, you know, youth group that's going to be happening tonight. We have young adults. We have young marrieds. We have seniors groups. We have uh, parents of teen groups. Some call it the pot group, but that just means parent of teens, right? Okay. Your goodness, yeah. So it's very, yeah, parent of teens group, okay? So uh, if it's a pot, that just means we're making a pot of soup. So which, all the soup lovers out there, we're in soup season. Thank you for the glory of God. So we're walking forward. But it's, an, it's important as we head forward into this new season, as we walk forward, that we don't forget some things that we know to be true. Yeah. You know, just like backpacking. Like I, I love backpacking. I know you're a hiker. Are you a backpacker? Uh, not a backpacker, but okay. I do like to hike. Okay. Daniel and I hike with Your husband's dog. a backpacker. Oh, he likes to backpack. Okay. That is for sure. So I'll add that to my prayer list. Um, <laughs> but backpackers, I remember, the, did you know how to tell the new backpacker on a trail? It's, I'm guessing it's like me where I bring everything in the kitchen sink. You bring everything. <laughs> it's the one that shows up with everything. The most experienced is streamlined, but they've looked down and they've made sure that they have the essential things in it. But I remember the first time I went backpacking, I took uh, my three boys with me who were a lot younger than they couldn't carry very much, and I brought everything. I had a cast iron skillet, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to <laughs> think about that. I brought a cast iron skillet. I brought the folding chairs were attached to my backpack. Um, I brought not a backpack tent, but a family tent. I think I had a six-person tent. Um, That's a choice. Yeah, yeah, a lot of bad choices. I mean, I looked up, and a newbie was written all over me. The experienced person, though, knew what was essential to take, because what happens along the way is you start getting rid of stuff because you can't mm -hmm. carry it. And I think during COVID, that's what a lot of people have done. They've gotten tired, and COVID kind of made us strip down a little bit. We've, there's been some sifting going on. But in that process of sifting, just like the backpacker that starts shedding things, there are things along the way that I had someone say, don't get rid of that. You know, water purifier was one thing. You need water, so you keep the water purifier. Uh, don't get rid of that food. Don't get rid of your sleeping bag because you need to stay warm at night. There are those essential things. One of those essential things that I want to make sure as a community that we don't forget as we talk about being better together is that aspect of generations. Mm -hmm. We are multi-generational. We need each other. And there have been times where the body of Christ where we've set, their churches have separated everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's happened to the detriment. There's times we need to get with our peers, but we need to gather together regularly because we are better together. And so before we dive, in, in, dive into this, uh, Tiffany and I just want to give you a little bit of a biblical background mm -hmm. you know, on this. Uh, biblically, when we look at the body of Christ, we see throughout the Old Testament that in the Old Testament, we see all those the occasions, all the feasts, those things that they had. When we dive into it, we see that those were things that they were not just for the moms and the dads, but there were kids there involved in all of them. And I think one of the most popular verses that we, that we see about this is in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verses 1, and then we're going to read verses 6 or 7. But it's important to look at this, that, that Moses, when he's addressing the nation of Israel, he's connecting two very basic things. He's connecting the importance of knowing the Word of God with the importance of doing the Word mm -hmm. of God. Now, we, we say this a lot. Oh, yeah. I tell the youth the hardest 12 inches of your life is getting what the Bible says from your head to your heart and putting that into action. So I think we, we all have that struggle, mm -hmm. whether you're young or old. It's definitely seeable. Amen. I'm going to move back a little bit. <laughs> so getting from that, the head to the heart, 12 inches, or you know, however far that is, when Moses says this, Moses says, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, mm -hmm. so you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. 
Listen to this. He says, when they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on them? And then in verse 9, Moses gets very specific, and he says, he gives us a warning. Can we read this together? Read this with me. But watch watch out. out. Be Be careful careful never never to forget forget what you yourself have seen. Do Do not not let these memories escape from your mind as long as as you live. live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. And when Moses says something very specific, when he talks about passing them on to your children, Mm -hmm. passing them on to your grandchildren, he's not just talking about passing them on to the children in your own home, in the the place Mm -hmm. that you live. He's talking about every child that you see. He's talking about the child, children in the faith community, but every child that you see, because this is a responsibility that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see this as well biblically when you look at the Psalms. The Psalms (laughs) emphasizes the importance of teaching the next generations. Um, You see in Psalms 140, 45.4, that it says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And Psalm 78 actually talks about the importance of testifying to God's works so that the next generation will be able to take on that faith and remain in faith. And Jesus modeled this time and time again in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where he talks about, let the children come to me. And when you've welcomed one of them, you've welcomed him who sent them. So it's important that we look at that. We also see finally it in the epistles with Paul when he writes letters to the church. He actually requests that all generations be present for their reading um, so that all of the community can partake in learning and in ministry. And it's important that we also do that for our community now, Mm -hmm. that we bring all those generations together, young, old, in between, all life phases. Because there's one thing we learned in 2020, it's that we need each other. We need community. Mm -hmm. Um, No one is meant to do life alone. And that's really what the Bible's talking about, you know? Yeah. Well, and I love, too, as you're talking about how Jesus modeled it, that Jesus was so at home with Mm -hmm. his community that his parents, they even started the journey home, and all of a sudden they got so far down the line, they went, where's Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, where is he? I don't see him. Where is he? Like, we lost the Son of God. What happened here? (laughs) Because it was such a natural part that Mm -hmm. they knew the community was watching out, you know? Mm So that's something that I want to make sure that biblically we hold on to. This is a biblical value. It is an essential value. So mm-hmm. as we move forward, I want us to look at this question about, and ask the question, why is worshiping and living out the faith so important, like living out our faith together? I think it's important to recognize that we were created as a family. Mm-hmm. When God originally created us, when he, when he made us, he made us as a family unit. This is, everything comes from this. And we flourish as humans in that family structure. And that's why we're doing this whole series that we're better together because we cannot let go of that aspect that we are better together. We need to be there. I'm, I'm better with all of you than I am by myself. And I don't say that jokingly at all. Oh, Lord knows. I need. Lord knows. <laughs> Stephanie really knows, you know. Uh, well, not more than the Lord really knows too, so. Um, but it's, if, if you need a real living example, we are better together. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't wait to get here. That's why on Sunday mornings when I come together and I'm worshiping and I'm hearing the voices around me this morning and hearing all of you engage, it just something ignites in me. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that God made us. He made us to be, to be together. Without all the generations, we are incomplete. Yep. Without all the generations, the children, the uncles, the aunts, the moms and dads, and even crazy Uncle Eddie, we <laughs> are incomplete. We are, we, are, we are not together. We have a limited perspective. We have a limited perspective. Mm-hmm. As an adult, we need the perspective of a child. We need to make sure that we never lose. How many of you, you've heard profound things come from children they didn't even know that they were saying? Because children don't often have that filter. Sometimes adults never grow up and they don't have a filter, but children don't have a filter. They just say things, and in that honesty, sometimes you're like, wow, that's, there's, there's something it's coming truth. out from that. But you, we also need the perspective of everyone in between. And when I look at, at our senior saints, those who have been here for decades, we call them pillars because of the spiritual acts of God that have happened in their lives, the experience that they have that they know no matter what happens. 
God has me. Mm -hmm. He's proven himself. How many of our senior saints, you can testify Mm -hmm. to that and go, yes, God has proven himself in me. Come and talk to me, and I'll I'll tell you about it, because (laughs) we need it. And I think specifically the the importance of the generations and that we're incomplete because we're in a day and an age where our identity is being threatened. Our identity is being confused in so many ways. And one of the ways that we help to restore the identity that God has given us is as we enact the body of Christ with all the generations coming together. Um, I think this is really important for youth and for students and for kids because I think the biggest thief of this generation when you talk to them is family. Um, And what I mean by that is Pew Research did a research study recently where they talked about um, looking at different families from the generations that are coming up right now, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, and 55% of that age group is found to come from a complex family system. And what that means is that roles are not being fulfilled in that system, whether it's an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, whatever that might be. Um, And if you guys were at the parent huddle a couple weeks back, I talked about how I'm a big believer in the socio-ecological model. It's how I do ministry, it's what I believe in, and really what that is, it's a fancy term for a psychological model that says if you get five solid adults um, from different areas of a kid's life, speaking into that kid, saying the same message, they're more likely to remember it, take mm. hold of it, and let it take root in their life. Um, so that could be a coach, a mentor, a parent, mm. um, a pastor, um, a variety of people, but you need five. Um, and in fact, the research shows this to be true. It's the same reason that when you walk into a store like Nordstrom's, they offer you the Nordstrom card five different times before you leave. It's a requirement. I actually used to work there back in the day, so I know this. Um, and it's a requirement because it's more likely to stick. And so you need that, that uh, foundational reminder again and again. And the Barna Research Group actually said, their CEO, he had this to say about intergenerational relationships. He said, cultivating intergenerational relationships is one of the most important ways in which effective faith communities are developing flourishing faith in both young and old. In many churches, this means changing the metaphor from simply passing the baton to the next generation instead to a more fully functional biblical representation of a body. That is every member in the entire community of faith coming together across all of lifespan to serve God's purposes. And I love this because even when I was growing up, you had that mentality of, okay, I'm passing the baton to you, right? And it's a, it's a really nice metaphor to use, but at some point what that says is, okay, if you haven't stepped into that time where you're supposed to take the baton, you have no purpose. And when you're passing it on, you are tapping out. Mm. And we see that that's not what God has called us to, There's no retirement in ministry. I'm a huge, yes, but I'm a huge believer that until Jesus calls all of us home, we are to be serving his Mm -hmm. purpose and be on mission. And so we need to change how we look at that. And I think intergenerational teams are so vital for this generation, for Gen Z and Gen Alpha, because what we have to understand about students is when a kid or a student walks into church, there are two families at play for them. You have their family of origin, um, so the family they're born into, but you also have the church family. And what's interesting to me is in our culture and in our society, we can easily recognize that when a role is not being fulfilled in the family of origin, it's a loss. It's a loss for that student. There's something missing, whether that's a grandma, a grandpa, a godparent, an aunt, an uncle, whatever that might be. And we can recognize that for culture and society. Like studies have been done on that. But when we talk about the church family, I don't think it's something we talk about about the need for those rules to be fulfilled regularly by people within the church. Because what this generation needs to see is consistency and authenticity. And really the reasoning for that is, number one, this is a generation that will fact check you so quickly, right? (laughs) They They have access to Google and their phones and they have grown up with the term alternative facts in their lexicon. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. But the interesting part, and I tell our leaders this, is if a student is coming to you and asking you a question, there's more to it than just wanting an answer. Because if students wanted easy answers, they would Google it. Mm -hmm. 
If they are coming to you and saying, what do you think on this? What do you believe about this? How did you get there? It's because they're seeking relationship and connection to learn how to walk it out in their own life. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to teach students, number one, that as pillars of faith, we are here. We are available. We will show you how to walk out tough things in life. And that requires authenticity. That requires a vulnerability. And it also requires consistency so that they see you serving in church across different teams and know that what you say and what you believe and how you walk that out are consistent. Mm. Um, and that pillar of faith is really necessary. Um, I believe it's necessary for our teams, whether it's you're fulfilling a mentorship role, or maybe you're a grandparent and you are fulfilling a grandparent role. I myself grew up without grandparents um, for a variety of reasons. So when I was growing up in the church and I had some of those senior saints come around me, it was so important. Um, or maybe it's a friend or a older sister role or older brother, whatever that might be like. Um, but if we can offer them those relationships without expectation or pressure and saying, you know, everyone struggles and it's okay. You know, let me walk this through with you. That is how you change someone's life. That's how God changes someone's life. And we've seen that here in Shoreline. Yeah, lots of examples. Oh yeah. One of my favorite ones is from 2018. So it's Bob Blair. For those of you that don't know Bob Blair. Does anybody maybe, not know Bob Does anyone here? know who so. Bob Blair is? Raise your hand if you know who Bob Blair is. Okay. Um, Bob and Vicki Blair, for those people that may not know, yeah. are just a phenomenal couple. Yeah. Um, they just hit retirement age recently, and they moved to Wenatchee, but they've been at Shoreline mm -hmm. for, what, decades? Oh, my goodness, Eight yeah. decades. Yes, um, several decades. And they're super consistent. And Bob is like this larger-than-life, super welcoming personality. Actually, he was one of the first people I met here at Shoreline because my car broke down in the Starbucks down the street, and he came up and offered to fix my, fix my car. But that wasn't the story I'm going to, sorry. Um, in 2018, we did a youth winter camp here for Shoreline. And so the youth pastor, which was Sean, asked him, you know, I have leaders coming who are gonna help, but would you be willing to drive? And Bob had said, you know, I don't know about leading, but I can drive. Like, I'm a gifted driver, sure. So he went, and what was so fun was talking to him about that experience and how it changed him. And so I had previously asked him when he came back, like, what did you think of youth camp? Because, like, if you see Bob and you know Bob, he'll be the first to tell you, okay, those kids are not in my generation. Like, it's a whole different thing. Um, but what he said was, you know, Tiff, it was such a fun and sweet time seeing kids love on each mm -hmm. other, seeing leaders love on kids, and then connecting and growing in Christ. Um, and what's funny to me about this is a lot of the youth that went to that winter camp, I'm still in connection with. Um, one of them, he aged out of, of youth and he graduated high school and he's living across the country and my husband and I call him pretty frequently. And we check in and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And almost always his first question to me is, how is Uncle Bob doing? Mm -hmm. What is what is Uncle Bob and Vicky up to? Yeah. How are they doing? And it's fascinating to me because this this student um, really came to Shoreline looking for family. Yeah. Really came and has said to me before, Shoreline is the first time in a long time that I felt like I had a family. Mm -hmm. um, and what was really cool about Bob and Vicky is from that that winter camp, they really became those like aunt and uncle to, mm -hmm. to him. And during the pandemic, they had him over almost every other week to watch service online, to do worship together. Um, they would spend time together. So there was that consistency mm -hmm. so that he could see, okay, what, what they say, who they are and what they believe match up and how they how they live their life. Hmm. And students need that. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you guys, I'm an adult, I'm 33, and I need that. Right. So if I need that, students need that on a regular basis. Well, because I think there's, there's several things that I want to make sure that you caught in that. That one of the big connections for Bob when he came in, he, he, he wasn't signing up for a long-term ministry. He wasn't saying, I'll be there every youth group and I'll oh, be yeah. there every event. He, <laughs> did, he stepped in a gap. They needed a driver and they stepped in and he was present. Mm -hmm. And that became a catalyst. And I think a lot of times that I'll hear people say that, you, you know what, I'm, I'm too old for the youth or I'm too this. There are so many obstacles in the way when 
what we're hearing, mm-hmm. what the data that we're hearing, what the experience that we're having, and what Pastor Tiffany is, is saying is that students are hungry for mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, grandparents to step in. Oh, and yeah. for some, it's because they may come from a home where that's not there, mm-hmm. or they're in a place now where they're geographically. I know for us, like we're 3,000 miles mm-hmm. away plus from, our, from aunts and uncles mm-hmm. and grandparents who are wonderful. But, I mean, our kids, they look for the Uncle Bobs. They look for the yeah. people in this community. They look for the ones that come in, those, those other brothers, those other sisters that come in. And so you need that because it's impactful. Mm-hmm. But this is not just about something that happened to the youth. This, this story is very personal because this is how people stepped in your life as they were consistent. Yeah, I actually, for those of you that don't know me, I came to Shoreline about 13 years ago as an intern at North, for Northwest University. And when I came to Shoreline, who I was then um, was vastly different. And I was very angry. Um, sorry. Uh, it, was, it was a hard time. And I came uh, to Shoreline as an intern f- to fulfill my requirements for Northwest for internship. Um, But also at that time, when I came, my mom had just been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, and they had given her four months to live. And so I came at a time where I was just really hurting. Um, I was struggling with the idea, God, if you are good, then why is this happening? Um, Because my mom had been that pillar for me for so long. She was that person that, like, I would call when my world was falling down around me and be like, what do I do? And she would always point me back to Jesus. And let's be clear, our relationship was not perfect. Like, we would butt heads a lot. We were very similar. Um, But I knew, like, in the clutch, I could call her, and she would be there. And when I came to Shoreline, um, I was just having a hard time with that. And in the first few years here at Shoreline, as many of you might know, my mom actually lost that battle to cancer. Um, And so I remember coming to youth um, that Wednesday following her funeral and just going, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't, wh- how, do I, how do I move forward in my faith? What do I do? I, I don't know how to move forward. Um, and what was really cool was even in my hurt and my anger, I watched God send different ladies throughout that time to really become that motherly figure, that sister, that mentor, that friend. Um, And that's been consistent. Like I believe 100%, I would not be sitting here today doing what I'm doing, speaking to you all now without that. Um, One of them was Nancy Stone. So Bob Stone, our previous senior pastor's wife, Mm -hmm. she met with me at Tully's in Bothell Canyon Park. And I will never forget, she sat me down for one of our first internships. And she goes, I know you're here just because you want to fill your class credit. Going for the easy A. And I get that. (laughs) But here's what I need you to know. And she goes, you can be as angry and as hurt and as struggling as as you want to be, but I'm still going to love you. And I remember there was something that just broke in me. And it was what I needed in that time. And she continued to meet with me. And really do that for two years. And then the Lord sent along Pastor Stephanie, um, where we got a chance to serve at St. Matthew's together. And she and Dwayne knew my husband, Daniel, because he grew up in this church. Um, And Stephanie has just become that sweet spirit, that friend that really has come around me. I've called her probably more than one occasion going, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. I don't know what I'm doing and and I need your guidance. And she's just always had that sweet, sweet spirit. If you've met Pastor Stephanie, you know what I'm talking about. You know that kindness and that understanding. And she has just become such a pillar for us and walked with me through some really, really dark and tough times um, and just really heartbreaking times. And then also Kim Martinez, who's sitting here today. Kim, I'll never forget I met Kim because her son Andrew and Ashley and Aaron were in, uh, in youth group. And she had heard, I think, through Aaron or Ashley, who were in my small group, that my mom had passed away. And she had come up to me and said, you know, Tiff, if you ever want to meet for coffee, like, we can just catch up. And I am not one of those people that asks for help. Like, if you meet, I will carry eight bags of groceries on my arm into the house so I don't have to ask for help. But something in, like, my spirit and that prompting from the Lord mm-hmm. really encouraged me to reach out to her. And over the last, like, seven or so years, we have formed like this mentor, mother, daughter friendship. It's just been such a blessing. Um, We've served together in small groups and we've served together at church. Um, She even officiated Daniel's and my wedding. 
Um, and it's just been such a blessing. And I look back at my time here at Shoreline and almost every single reason or like in the clutch moment, God has sent someone Mm -hmm. to really just guide me and offer that. And what I think we miss a lot of times is how vital the church family can be for that. Yeah. Because we think, okay, I gotta, I've got to find it from my family. Like they're supposed to, maybe it's just me, but I'm like, my biological family should be programmed to love me and I should be able to just get through. But some of them, it's just not that way. Life is messy and broken and we need each other. Mm-hmm. I needed those ladies just as much as I need them now. Um, and so I, I just want us to know like how important that is, yeah. you know? I mean, how many of you have had someone like that pour in your life? You're like, thank God, because without them, just put your hands up and leave it up. Go, someone's poured into my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's especially vital because, you know, as, we talked, as we've been talking about, we're no longer in a culture that just tolerates Christianity, mm-hmm. but we're in a, in a culture that is hostile in so many ways. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but what I'm saying is that, that it's, Christianity is now viewed as a threat, because the gospel, it, does, it's, it requires a change. It requires a surrender. It requires that I'm not God. He is God. Mm-hmm. And in that, if we are to take those next steps in this season, as we step out here in Seattle, because our city is hungry for yeah. it, our culture is hungry for it, our schools is hungry for it, but they're reaching out to everything else. But when the body of Christ mm-hmm. shows up, the children, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, and they, and they selflessly pour in, it makes kingdom, oh, yeah. kingdom differences. And I think a lot of times the enemy will try to speak to you. And I, and I think especially for our seniors and for those that, that they're like, you know, I've passed the baton because I've heard that. I've heard, you know, mm-hmm. that I've passed the baton on. There's, God has given you a baton that, uh, that until death you are holding on to that baton. Yeah. Because I can look across this room and I can see so many people that have poured in that I've heard others that have come up and said, when I did a missions trip with Glenna and Shirley Agabrot, yes. that's when God spoke <laughs> to my heart. Or when I did this with that person yeah. or when I did that, this is when it made, we, we, we could be calling out mm-hmm. people all day long on this significance of that. Well, and I think it's important to ask yourself, what talents am I Mm -hmm. holding on to that God might want me to use? Like I have a person in youth who that helps in youth staff um, that does not fulfill like the traditional, like when we, I'm going to be honest, when we think of youth leaders, it's like, okay, let's put the 20 and 30 year olds in there. Right. Um, But this, this person came to me out of the blue, does not fit in that generational age gap and said, you know, I, I don't really want to be a small group leader, but I'm really good at media. Mm. And I'm really good at tech. And if you know me, the one thing I really, really, truly struggle with is technology. I hate making slides. Um, I just really struggle. I know this person is not Daniel. Um, (laughs) I just feel the need to say it. But this person came to me and said, "Can can I do your media for youth every week? And this person has been consistent to like run sound and do my Mm -hmm. slides, but then also sits in small groups just as a presence. And so what I want you guys to think about is what are the giftings God has given me and those talents that he could be wanting me to use that I just haven't thought about because maybe I'm limiting myself because I'm thinking, okay, well, I've passed the baton or I don't fit into the standard age group of this this leadership team, like, that doesn't matter. Well, that, that, whole, that whole box theology is not a God theology. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things we're coming out of is that we see in our culture, our culture wants to put us in boxes, right? Mm-hmm. There's two boxes, and if you believe part of this, you believe all of this. And you believe part of this, you believe all, all of this. Mm-hmm. As it relates to God, as it relates to our mission, he is creative. You, you know we, yeah. that God is an artist? And it's <laughs> when you look out and you see all the things that he has made, and that he's also intentional that he's put things in you that he wants you to use. And this, mm-hmm. this heads, heads into what we're going to wrap it up with, which yeah. is how we do it. Because if, if we don't intentionalize it, we'll just walk out of this place stirred and go, I want to do it. I, you know, sign me up. But how do we do it? How many of you be like, sign me up, sign me up. And I'm not going to take a picture and come to your house and say, <laughs> you raise your hand. But, you know, but I think all of us would resonate and go, I want to be a part of this. Because, mm-hmm. we, because we, think, we talk about it all the time that the knowledge that we have, the things that God has told us, if we don't apply them, they diminish value, not in reality, but they diminish value in our own lives and they die in us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to stir us up and to, st- to step forward. But I want to read two verses before we get practical. And Tiffany's going to share some, some key things about how we connect that proximity gap that we have. The first one is to the youth and to the young. First Timothy says, let no one despise you for your youth. Every young person here in this room, let no one despise you for your youth, but set 
the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That your age does not disqualify you, and it also does not excuse you to not live in the way that God has called you to live, but that we are to pursue the things of God, that, we, that the youth should be setting an example in how we talk, how we think, how we conduct ourselves in love, in faith, and in purity, because the youth have the energy and the dreams to come alive and to ignite it. But I also want to, want to, want to speak to, to, to those that may think they're too old. Look at what Joshua said when he was 85 years old. Joshua said this at the age of 85. He said, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then. That when we enact in the things of God, there's a strength, there's an energy, there's this newness of life. Are, are you connecting with this this morning? That when we enact, when we feed someone, when we pour into them, when we encourage them, when we coach them, when we are consistently in someone's life, the Spirit of the Lord flows in us and flows through us, and you will see a life to the full that you never thought that would exist in your life as we engage in that. But we have a proximity gap that we often, we're, we're going, how can we get positioned in that place? So what are some key things to help us overcome that proximity gap with the generations? So I think... Uh, when Sorry, we, I'm a little excited. So no, kinda... you're totally fine. I'm, I want to go back and say one thing about what yep. you had to say, um, which is if you are a seasoned member of faith, I think something that we forget a lot is in seasoning, we have experience. And mm -hmm. right now in youth, what we're going through is a series on wisdom. Yeah. How do we put godly wisdom in our life? And I've told the students, wisdom is knowledge plus experience choosing, equals choosing better. Mm -hmm. Right, But what we need is those people who have that godly wisdom that have had those life experiences learned from them and said, let me help you learn from them as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's how my mom taught me. That's how a lot of our leaders and youth teach each other. And there is a blessing in that. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we overcome that proximity right. gap? Because I think a lot of times, myself included, it's easy to say, okay, well, I'm going to hang out with the people in my age group. And that's just how it's going to be, right? Um, but I think there are ways that we can solve that. If you look at the ladies I mentioned, Kim Martinez, Pastor Stephanie, mm -hmm. you look at Nat, Nancy Stone, what you see is, first off, they're pillars of love and faith. They are people who are consistent day in and day out that what they say and what they believe and how they walk, walk that out is all a testament to who Jesus is. And we need to be doing that. Number two, they are consistent, how I came to know them, how I came to develop those friendships, how we came to like form those bonds was because I saw them all the time. And how did I see them all the time? Because they served in different areas within the church. I had Pastor Stephanie in St. Matthew's. I had her just in women's small group. I've had her in a variety of things. Kim, similarly, we've done small groups together. We've served in discipleship mm -hmm. and leadership things. Like even Nancy with internship, all of them were consistently serving in different areas of ministry. And through those moments when they didn't know I was watching, when they didn't know I was looking at what they were doing, not to sound like a creeper, um, I was learning from them, mm -hmm. right? And that's how our students, our students are observant. Yeah. Like they, they know and they can recognize. And so when we, when we are walking out our faith in everyday life and we are honest and vulnerable and say, hey, you're struggling with this. I've struggled with that. Let's talk about it. It's in that connection that we find growth and we find relationship. It's one of the, honestly, it's one of the reasons I believe in Daniel Leeds Peer Desire Ministries here at church, mm -hmm. because that's what that's all about, yeah. is vulnerability, walking it out seasoned together so that you all have that relationship and that accountability, yeah. because nobody is meant to do life alone. I think one of the most significant things that my dad ever said to me was, was when he said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. my, my dad, very yeah. wise man, served the Lord his whole life. But when he, he overreacted one time, and I remember how it just, it really, I was in high school and it just, it really affected me. And I just, I quietly went to my room and I just laid down. And in that moment, I was, de I, I was deciding internally, I mean, you know, if this is what, what Christianity is about, if this, if this is what this is all about, then I'm done. I was at that decision point. And my dad came in and he put his hand on me hmm. and he said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I overreacted. I wasn't right. 
And in that moment, there was something that took place in my connection to him, but also in how I looked to him. And I think that's why it's so important that, that as we look at how we connect as a generation, that when we're wrong, the quicker that we ask forgiveness, the quicker the healing, but not just healing, the quicker that proximity gap is taken care of. And I think it's a lot of times that our youth don't often see that. We, we talk about the, the, you know, the youth. When, when I was a child, the younger I was, I was saying sorry every week. I went to the altar and gave my life to God every Sunday school because I, you know, I was just overwhelmed with, with uh, conviction of sin in my life as a five-year-old. So walking forward in that way, but as we get older, we, we, we kind of forget that confessional part, and, and it comes in. And I think that points also to the importance of what Tiffany's pulling out with the ministry. Like we talk about how whether it's on a missions trip or it's serving here in different roles or in tech ministry or in youth ministry, it's so important that we find ways to serve both inside and outside of this building and that we also give, give our young people, our young adults, load-bearing responsibilities. Do you know what I mean by load-bearing? Those are responsibilities where if they don't show up, it falls down. <laughs> it's that load-bearing wall, those opportunities where they're yeah. coming side by side. And it's like, we're counting on you. We're depending on you. We see this gift in you. Mm-hmm. And we're training and developing. But then we're giving this responsibility or in, and, and inviting them to say, what are some things that God has given you, some ways he's pouring into your heart? Yeah, in youth, I have, student, I have a student leader who mm-hmm. leads games each week. And so they come to me and say, okay, Tiff, this is what I need for supplies, and this is how we're going to walk it out. And they, they know that if they don't have some, it's going to fall. Because we need to expect students and kids more from them. And in my opinion, they want that. They want to know that you care enough that you yeah. expect. Now, that doesn't mean always just let them fail and see, I knew you were yeah. going to do that. Don't give, but, a, don't give a 14-year-old <laughs> your car. No, right? but, but come around them with that, those boundaries and those yeah. guardrails and say, hey, I want to grow this in you. I see this gifting. I see this in you. I see more for you. How can we get there together? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and what we're talking about today, a lot of this just came from a conversation that Tiffany and I had. We talked about the generations coming together, and one of the things that that I love is is that that she has that same heart that's there. One of the things that we talked in our conversation was about how you know we work hard to solve that proximity gap generationally. But when we get together, those conversations are so important. They've meant so much to you. And you, you shared several conversational tips, how we can have good conversations. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit, the importance of how we have those good conversations? Yeah, so I try to enact a conversational tool, and there's some things before we get to that that I want to talk about. Number one, when you get together with a student and they come and bring you a problem, don't just try to fix it for them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think it's easy, and I want everyone to raise their hand. If you've ever brought a problem to someone and they tell you just how you should fix it, can you raise your hand? Maybe I'm the only one. All right. If you really enjoyed that response, raise your hand. No? Okay. All right. We have, like, almost no one. Why? Because what you're wanting when you bring a problem a lot of times isn't just an easy fix, let me give you the answer. It's can we work that out together in relationship? It's understanding that there's more than just the problem at hand. Um, If you've ever been married, you might experience this in regular conversations where sometimes you just don't want to fix. You want them to hear you and listen and walk through it with you together. And our students want that. They crave that. Um, Second, what we have to understand is that we have to be willing to discuss doubt. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times our students are afraid to talk about what they struggle with if they're doubting or they're fearful because there's this shame that's tied to it. In fact, Fuller Institute did a recent uh, study in 2021 and they asked students, what are you wanting the most out of relationships in churches? And 70% of the students that were, were polled said they're looking for people that are willing to talk about doubt and walk it out with them in their life every day without fear and without judgment. And see, it's not doubt that leads to toxic faith. It's shame and silence. Mm -hmm. And if we aren't willing to be vulnerable and open and say, guys, I struggle with this too, there's no way that they have a chance to see how your faith has grown, but also their own. And so we have to be willing to be vulnerable and open Mm -hmm. and understand that they need to see that just as much as we need that connection too. Um, So some things to help bridge that gap. Number one, Uh, I usually say is examine the now. 
What does that mean? It means uh, when you enter a room and you're serving, say you're serving in youth, you pay attention to what's happening right in front of you and find ways to connect. A great example of this is I have a student in youth who loves anime, loves anime. I have not seen any anime in my entire life. It is, I don't even know what that neighborhood looks like. Um, but this student loves to wear anime shirts, will talk about it, really enjoys it. So the other day, the student came to youth and had an anime shirt on. And so Daniel and I, over the week, had been looking at trailers online, and the new movie for this anime had come out as a trailer. And I said, oh, we need to watch this because so-and-so really likes it, and we can talk to them about it when we see them next time. So then the next Sunday when they came in, I said, hey, I saw this trailer for your favorite thing. What are you hoping is going to happen in that, in that movie? And we began to have a conversation that opened the door for us to talk about, well, what else is happening in your week? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? All of that came from one moment where I paid attention to what was going on with that student. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we come in when we serve, and maybe this is just me, and we say, okay, I've got to get this done, and I've got to get this done, and I need to get this done. Okay, I checked a box. And I am a box checker. Like, let's be clear. I love me an organizational binder. It's a thing. Uh, but there is a moment where you have to take a step back mm -hmm. and say, what is needed in this relationship? What is needed right now? And that means saying, okay, I need to put that student first and notice about them. Because how many of us have been hurting or struggling or whatever, and we just want someone to notice? Mm -hmm. We just want someone to see us and see the hurt and be able to say, I care. I'm here. Yeah. Second, we have to point it back to God. I tell the students all the time, I don't care what you're struggling with. You can come to me, and uh, we will walk it out together, but you have to know I will always point it back to Jesus. So what does that look like? If a student or someone younger than you or a child even in kids' church comes to you and says, I'm having a hard time with this, whatever it might be, fill in the blank. Um, what I usually will say is, okay, well, I wonder what God might be doing in this situation. Hmm. What do you think? He's, he, he's doing? Or how do you think he sees this situation? I've had, Kim will ask me, well, what do you think God's doing here? And she reminds me, God is God or God is not. And I love that because it changes my perspective mm -hmm. in a very real, tangible way. It makes me get out of my own head and say, okay, what does this look like to God? Or what might he be doing? Or what might he be growing in me? And we need to offer our students, our kids, that same opportunity to say, I see you struggling, I see you hurting, mm -hmm. I see whatever is going on in your life, what do you think God's doing? And have a conversation that can be a perspective changer. Because perspective for, especially when you're younger, is everything. Mm -hmm. It is everything because it dictates how we view the world, how we view ourselves, and what we believe about ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And then finally, we always help them find that next faithful step. What does that look like? It means offering them opportunities to discern how they can move forward. Um, for some students, I have a student that checks in with me regularly, uh, right now once a week. And they're working on stuff that they're trying to work out in their own life, so we check in. Um, they're reading a book, and we, we commit together to, to talking about it. And one of the things we have agreed upon is we're going to take 30 minutes individually, each of us, and have quiet time with God. I'm going to journal, they're going to journal, and then we're going to get together once that week and say, okay, what do, you, what do you think God might be doing in my life right now? And it's been super cool to see how that commitment together as individuals on that next step has impacted them. They messaged me last night and said, you know, I was reading my Bible and I really felt like God said this to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've had that. And that's really cool. It was this verse and it's just, it sat with me. And I said, yeah, this is, this is what I have been reading, and this is what hit me. And it allowed us to have this conversation that was much more than just, okay, well, I'm struggling with this. Okay, here's how you fix it, right? It was, we walk this through together. Yeah. We learn this stuff together because we're meant for that connection. And it's important that they see that consistency mm -hmm in what you're reading, what you're doing, that when you say, hey, maybe journaling and quiet time with God and talking is a good next step, that you yourself are doing it. Yeah. And that you're maybe not doing it perfectly, but you're putting it into practice just as they are. And it's important to walk mm -hmm. them through that because we all need next steps. Whether you're young or old, we need to know how to move forward. Because yeah. if you're not moving forward, then you're becoming stagnant.
And that's a problem. Well, then that movement, that's where faith comes alive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yep. where faith comes alive that's has, as we move forward. I love these. So don't be afraid of the doubt. You yeah. know, uh, don't fix it unless it's a math problem. You know, I need if I ask <laughs> Then you, ma- you can help if, with If homework. I ask you a math problem, because like, there, there are problems where it's yeah. like, my car's broken, please just fix it. But there's things that we're, they're inviting you into a process. They're, they're inviting you into a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of times when you're talking about to fix it, I get frustrated when someone just tries to fix it because if they haven't heard me, Yes. They don't understand me, and then they're fixing a problem that I, that's not even the problem. Does that resonate with, with people, right? Well, and if you're vulnerable enough to say yeah. you're, you're, you're struggling with something, you would hope that someone else would offer vulnerability back. Yeah. That that's how connection comes, is in cur- courageous vulnerability, right. and it's mutual. When somebody comes in and says, okay, let me tell you how to fix your life, there is not a vulnerability there. And if you're me... I'm like, okay, we should not have this conversation. Yeah. I should have not have told you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's listening, it's loving, it's being there. And it's, it's one of the biggest things I think that we as the body of Christ, the church, have to offer, that, that listening, that, that learning from each other and coming together. You know, I was, I'm a church kid. <laughs> I was raised in the church. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly and, and everything. But, I'm, but I tell you, it's, it's those people that have stepped into my life that have made a difference. Amen. So, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We've heard this now. And, God, you're calling us not to just listen, but, Lord, that we know in the midst of this, that as you, this family is your idea. Yes. Being together all the generations is your idea. This is how you choose to work. You choose to work in us and through us because it strengthens us, it mobilizes us, it welcomes our community to you. And, Lord, it's when, when we see that, that hand of God moving in us. When you move through us, you transform us. When you speak through us, you transform our speech. So Lord, open our eyes so that we might see. You know, and I I invite you just to keep your, just with your head bowed and just your eyes closed so you can focus on the voice of the Lord. Just, Just ask yourself in this moment, just, you know, how am I connected? Am I connected in this way? And however you answer that question, that next part is, you know, how is God asking me to connect? And in that, one of the key things is, what are the gifts that God has given me? You know, maybe it's jumping in when there's a driver needed. Maybe it's stepping into a weekly commitment to a media ministry or or it's whatever it may be. Or maybe it's something new. You have a new idea. You want to do after-school tutoring. You want to, whatever it is, what is the gift that God has given you, and how is he calling you to use it and to apply it in this way? Lord, show us those next steps as we move forward. In your name, Lord. Amen. As we wrap this up for Sunday of the month, we always uh, share communion together. And I invite you just to take this little cup that you have, and if you don't have one, uh, Jim so graciously has some here, and, and Laura, just raise your hand, and uh, as they walk through, they'll be sure to get one with you. And then as you get that, you'll want to just take that clear film off the top, but leave the other one closed. Yep. And then you can just take that, that wafer. And Jesus said, every time that you eat, he said, remember me, remember what I've done. The bread is a sign of his body that was given for us. And what I like to do, I like to just break it. And I invite you to do that. Because it's a reminder that Jesus gave his body. His body was broken for us, for every human being, to give an opportunity to receive. But I'd like to ask you, because Jesus has now called us as we follow him to be that living sacrifice. That we, it's in losing our life that we gain. It's in denying ourselves that we gain. Where is the Lord inviting you (laughs) to be broken for his sake? Where is he calling you to lose your life that you may gain it? And as you hold that, just pray that prayer, Lord. I thank you for giving yourself for me so that I may have new life. But you've called us to follow in that way, to lose our life, to be the living sacrifice, to lay. It's in surrender that we experience the fullness of God. So, Lord, show us how we need to lay it down. Where you're asking us to be broken so that we might live again. And we receive this now. 
giving thanks for all that you've done. Let's receive this bread together. And then you can take the cup. I always shake it a little bit. And then you, you can open it. And this is, this little cup just, it, it's a reminder of what the Bible calls a new covenant, a new arrangement, a new agreement that Jesus paid for with his blood. The symbol of the blood is significant throughout scripture. And the Bible even says it's by his stripes, by his blood that we are healed. So what are the areas of your life that need healing today? Just bring those to the Lord before you drink. Say, Lord, this, this is an area of my life that I need healing. And maybe, maybe it's a rededication of a life. Maybe it's, it's physical healing, emotional, mental, whatever it may be. Bring those to the Lord. But it's also a renewal of that covenant relationship with Jesus, through Jesus. And Lord, we also, you've told us to examine our lives, that if there's any unconfessed sin, that before we take this, that we're to bring it to you because you've called us to new life. You've called us to healing. That's only found through you. So Lord, like David prayed, reveal to me my unknown sin. And then Lord, I ask that you would forgive you would forgive and that my life would be filled with the very power and presence of God I pray amen let's receive this cup together today mm. and just, just begin to thank him thank him thank you Jesus thank you for your power thank you for your new life that you've given to us mm. now Lord show us how to enact this word that you've given to us because your word does not go out and does not come back void. As we apply it, we receive it. You're doing this work, and God, you're inviting us to engage and to step up. So show us, show us your way, show us your path as we step forward in your name, in your name, in your name, Jesus, in your name, Jesus, in your name, Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. Can we all stand together? Thank you. Can you thank Pastor Tiffany for sharing the word this morning with us? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, Pastor Tiffany and your husband Daniel, I'm so, I'm so thankful for you guys, just for all that they do, the way. There is such, a, such an incredible work of God that's happening with our young people. And I'm so thankful. And it's so, uh, so amazing to see the hand of God in your life. You. All those things that he's done to prepare and to strengthen you for this season. Amen. Amen. This is our benediction. And before I say this, if somebody wants to get involved in youth, would you welcome that? Yes, please come and talk to me. <laughs> she would love, love to, to engage you. you. And, 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 and let me say this too, as the Lord's giving you new dreams and new ways, please be come and talk to you. There are so many ways to engage. Look at the gifts he's given you and say, Lord, how would you use this? Amen. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord, the Lord bless, bless you and keep you. you. The, the Lord make his, his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. you. The, the Lord, Lord turn his, his face, face towards, towards you and give you peace.